Welcome to Valley Point Church. I'm glad you're watching today. It's mid-July now. The heat of summer is here. Oh my. I hope that things are going well for you. Tani and I had the chance to catch up with family in Ohio and Illinois recently. It was good to see everyone. It's also good to be back with you. I want to thank Ben and Gus for teaching the past couple of weeks. I really enjoyed what they shared. Cliché-ish, that's what we're discussing over the summer. A quick review. In week one of Cliché, our talk, our Cliché was, work is a necessary evil. In week two, our Cliché was, God never gives you more than you can handle. In week three, Our cliché was, God bless America. Today, let's read a passage of scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 30. I'll give some context to it in a moment and then share our cliché. For now, let's just read. This is Moses speaking to the generation about to occupy the land God promised to them. And here's what he says. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, I will begin reading with verse 19. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is just a great passage where people have a choice a clear choice, to walk with God or not. We're going to come back and unpack this, but first, here's our cliche. And this isn't necessarily a trendy statement or something that you hear often. It's probably more of a pattern of thinking. Here it is. God's going to do what God wants to do. So why bother? Whatever. And a close cousin. God's going to do what God wants to do. I'm not needed. Keep in mind that cliche-ish means anything that has become trite or commonplace through overuse. These trite phrases often, not always, but often contain elements of truth. They are often kind of or sort of true. So God's going to do what God's going to do. That's true. Why bother, though? Well, we bother because God invites us into the story, and we have the privilege of participating in God's work. Think about that. We bother because God invites us into the story, And we have the privilege of participating in God's work. That's actually our big idea for today. 
God invites us into his story. And we have the privilege of participating in his work. I think this speaks to cause and effect, right? Or we could say it this way. Actions and consequences. Our actions have consequences, don't they? When we act a certain way, when we say something, when we do something, there are always consequences to that. If I act in a kind way, well, there is a consequence to that. If I act in a harsh way towards someone, well, there is an outcome. There is a consequence to that. Our actions have consequences. I think this makes sense to us. There are absolutely consequences for my actions. For example, if I go to a Philadelphia Eagles game and cheer wildly, even obnoxiously, for the Dallas Cowboys, there most likely will be consequences for doing that. How about this one? If I go to Rita's on a really hot day and there's a long line of people behind me and then I proceed to ask for a bunch of samples, consequences. This makes sense. Actions create consequences. I want to wade into some things today that are somewhat unique to Christianity. Based on your upbringing and theological bent, you may disagree with some of what I share. Or you may agree. We'll see. Or it may all be new information if church talk is newer to you. Either way, I would encourage everyone to approach this with an open mind. Because discussing how God operates and thinks is mysterious. And who can really know the mind of God? I love this verse that is found in the book of Romans. It's Romans chapter 11, verse 34. And it asks this question. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who can do that? And who knows enough to give him advice? Who can know? Well, Scripture does give us some insight. So let's think about this. A theological concept here. Ready? God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. The word sovereignty means principle, chief, or supreme. It speaks of God's position. He is the chief being in the universe. It also speaks of God's power. God is the supreme power in the universe. God's position and God's power. Now, here's what is great. We are told how this sovereign one behaves in Scripture with the ultimate demonstration of his love in sending his son Jesus to pay the price for our sins. God is and does 
many other things, but he loves. Great news, right? It really is. Think about sovereign for a moment. A sovereign person or leader could be a dictator. God is not. A sovereign could be abusive. God is not. A sovereign could take away all freedoms. God does not. And that's what makes this discussion unique and this cliche a bit troubling. Because we could say, you know, God is God. He's sovereign. He's big. He's in control. He's powerful. And whatever is going to happen is going to happen. So why bother? Why bother worshiping God? Why bother treating other people with respect? Why bother working? Everything happens for a reason. Why bother voting? Why bother being generous? Why bother going to a doctor? Why bother going to a dentist? You know, I was told once by a dentist, if you ignore your teeth, they will go away. They told me that. Hilarious, right? Why not just eat a dozen donuts every day? Why live for God? Why bother? Why bother with these things? Well, we bother because all of those things have consequences. And there is a balance between God's sovereignty and our human responsibility. We're not puppets on a string. God doesn't take away our choice. God's sovereignty and our freedom forms what is known as an antinomy. An antinomy is a contradiction between two statements that are both true. God is sovereign, yet we have freedom. Freedom to choose to love God to walk with him, to honor him, to be bright lights, or to walk away from him. This doesn't really make sense. We accept it by faith. Okay, why talk through all of that? Well, this cliche bothers me a bit because here's the thing. It almost allows us to approach life this way. God's going to do what he's going to do, so whatever, whatever. There's nothing I can do about it. And we almost have this fatalistic approach to life, which is not great. I think a better way to state God's going to do what God wants to do, so why bother, is to say God is sovereign, yet... God gives freedom, and God works through people to accomplish his purposes. Author Adam Hamilton states it this way, The overarching message of the Bible does not seem to make God a micromanager directing everything according to his will. Instead, God is more like a parent who invites his children to make their own choices, even knowing 
they will sometimes make the wrong ones. We see this right away in the opening pages of Scripture, don't we? Genesis chapter 1, God's creative genius is on display. I believe we even see his sovereignty there. Genesis chapter 2, God rests from his work. Remember that? And then God does this. Here's what it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend, which that word has the idea to work. So God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend, to work, and to watch. That word watch there means to preserve. So the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend, to work, and to watch or to preserve over it. All of these words here, to tend and to watch, have the idea of work. So think about this. Adam and Eve, they were given a job, a responsibility to work and to preserve the garden. Did that mean that God wasn't sovereign anymore? No. But he gave them a charge to preserve and they had freedom in the process to obey God or not. They chose not to obey God. That's Genesis chapter 3. And the rest of the Bible just unpacks story after story and generation after generation who had freedom and often chose to forget about God. Okay, all of that to get to this. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy is an Old Testament book, part of the Pentateuch or the first five books of the Bible. Deuteronomy consists of a series of farewell messages by Israel's 120-year-old leader named Moses. It is addressed to the new generation destined to possess the land of promise, those who survived the 40 years of wilderness wandering. It covers about one month. Combine Deuteronomy 1.3 and 34.8 with Joshua 5.6-12, and that's what you see. The book was written at the end of the 40-year period in the wilderness, about 1405 B.C., when the new generation was on the verge of entering Canaan. Moses wrote it to encourage the people to believe and obey God in order to receive God's blessings. I want to go back to this passage in Deuteronomy one more time and just think about what Moses is saying here. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, today. And keep in mind the context here. They're about to enter the promised land. They have a choice to be obedient to God. So Moses declares today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life. Like Moses is pleading with them. I know what happened to previous generations. They didn't make the right choice. 
Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Two thoughts here from the text. The generation before this group had a choice too. They chose to reject God and there were consequences. This generation though chose to obey God and they got into the promised land. Both generations had the freedom to choose. So think about this. God is not a dictator who takes away our ability to choose. He's this. Three thinking points now. God is sovereign. God gives freedom. And God works through people. One more time. God, he is sovereign. And God gives freedom. And God works through people, which means God can work through me. Wow, me. Can you imagine? And he invites me into his program of living and sharing the story of Jesus. Just one takeaway. Ready? God can and wants to work through you to bring hope to others. God can and wants to work through you to bring hope to others. God is sovereign. God gives freedom and God works through people to accomplish his purposes. Listen, church, will you allow that to fill you? Will you? God can and wants to work through you to bring hope to others. So why bother with kindness? Why bother with telling other people about the love of Jesus? Why bother helping others? Why bother giving? Why bother seeking to understand another culture and build bridges? Why? God works through all of that. Right? God works through all of that to bring his hope. And we get in on that kind of healing work. It's incredible. It's incredible. I finished reading a book recently entitled Surprised by Hope. Part of the emphasis of the book is on rethinking the mission of the church. The author argues that the work we do here and now is building for the kingdom. And he states it this way. Every act of love, gratitude, and kindness. And I, I really want you to hear this. Every act of love, gratitude, and kindness, every work of art or music inspired by the love of God, every act of care, and nurture of comfort and support for one's fellow human beings. And of course, every prayer, all spirit-led teaching, 
every deed that spreads the gospel builds up the church, embraces and embodies holiness rather than corruption, and makes the name of Jesus honored in the world. All of this will find its way into the new creation that God will one day make. What we do, get this now, what we do in Christ by the Spirit in the present is not wasted. As you move through your week, enjoy creating, loving, and building because God can and wants to work through you to bring hope to others. After all, you are the light of the world. Back to the big idea. God invites us into his story. And we have the privilege, we have the divine privilege of participating in his work. Father, we step into your presence now. Thankful for a conversation that Moses shared many years ago where he challenged the people in front of him, make a great choice today. Make a great choice today. You've seen others and the generations before you make some wrong choices. You make a great choice that will bring life. God, they had the freedom to choose. You're a sovereign God. You are in control. That's true. But yet you still gave them freedom to choose whether to walk with you or not. And God, we have that same choice in front of us. I believe you're still sovereign. You are still in control. You still have all strength. Yet you give us freedom of choice. God, I pray for everyone watching today that you would help us to make the choice to follow you and to get in on helping you accomplish your work in this world. God, help us to make that choice. God, if there are some who are watching who have walked away from you for whatever reason, I pray that you would stir in their hearts and that they would see and would know that you are a loving God and you are calling them back to say, okay, make the choice today. Make the choice now to use the one life that you've been given to make a difference. So God, stir in us to make great choices knowing that you are sovereign. And then God, help us to remember that every act of love, every kind word, every gesture that puts others first is something that you see and you will use to bring hope. So use Valley Point Church God, I pray this week to bring hope into our communities. We ask this in the name of our sovereign God. Amen.